Back in February, a journalist called Adrian Piget, writing for uh, London Jazz News, published an article called 10 Tracks by Frank Zappa I Can't Do Without. In his introduction to his list of 10 tracks, he said, I've been listening to Zappa's music since I was 12 years old. And from 17 to 19, I was only listening to Zappa or related composers like Stravinsky, Varese, Gustav Holst, spending nights smoking pot, watching all the content YouTube has to offer about these gents. His art changed me forever, and I wish I could have met him, but whatever, I was born a millennial. Here are his 10 choices, in each case followed by my comments on his choices. There will be a second mix then. Uh, my 10 choices are 10 tracks I could not live without and my justification for each one. Happy listening!
Okay, this is number one on that list. And uh, I just, I, I, mean, I don't agree with it at all. I mean, it's a very interesting little item. I, I think it might, is it Tommy Mars? No. Or is it uh, Ruth Underwood playing it on the piano? I uh, can't quite remember. There are two versions of it, indeed, just on the piano. It is very interesting. Also, there's that Matt's, Matt's Ogren, whatever his name is, Matt's. Oh, names, names, they start to slip away. 57 years old, 58. Um, Matt's Morgan, Matt's Morgan did a solo album called Frank, Frankfully, or Frankful. Uh, I just listened to that again about a week or so ago. It is just brilliant. Because he absolutely loves Frank Zappa's music and plays these sort of jazzy sort of um, solo things where you can hear the song. But he also just plays this beautiful beautiful piano. Uh, if you haven't listened to that for a while, listen to that on the way to work one day. I think it's called Frankful or Frankfully by Matt Morgan. Yeah? Who actually played with Zappa during uh, a show in... Sweden, wherever it was, in 1988. That solo piano version, which you may not have, I can send it to you, is very interesting. Very, very interesting if you're interested in the sort of the whole sort of genealogy of, of Zappa's melodies and, and, and his compositions. But to say that it's one of the ten most essential tracks, no way, no way, no way, no way. I would say that the, the black pages of the, of the mid to late 70s sort of late 70s, are brilliant with sort of Terry Bozio yeah, and uh, Vinnie Colliuta. Uh, but also then the ones in, in sort of 80, 81, 82, 84 just led to sort of massive carnage, sort of, uh, you know, um, Tyrannosaurus Rex type uh, guitar solos and, and just uh, massiveness. Uh, and sort of brutality, which is very interesting. But I think the big band arrangement in um, the sort of the slowed down version of of uh, Black Page uh, from uh, 1988 with the big band arrangement, I think that's probably my favourite Black Page outing. Although, you know, obviously there's sort of like 1977 and 1977, 1976, yeah, with Terry Bozio, you know, Live in New York, Zapper in New York, and uh, Punky uh, Swips, what's it called? Uh, Baby Snakes, whatever that album is called, that came out sort of oddly in, in sort of uh, the late 80s there somewhere. Um, so, no, the, the idea of choosing that, that piano solo thing is uh, it's very, it's an interesting thing. I, I think it's a little bit of Zappaholic uh, virtue signaling, sorry, but not. You know, you're a journo trying to try to be provocative. There's nothing really particularly wrong with that. But to, to elevate that little studio outtake from disc six of, a, of an eight disc, multi multi disc set, and say that's one of the most essential pieces of Zappa, is is virtue signaling. And as much as you're saying, I really, really, really get um, the Black Page. You know, I get it so much that this thing that's got no percussion. Uh, it's just on the piano. This is the best, thing, you know, one of the ten best things I've ever did. It's virtual signaling because, of course, the Black Page is an almost impossible to play piece of drum music. Yeah, that had a melody added to it later. So, so to 
the statistical density of the black page is about having to play the drums. And whenever you see any videos or any ex Zappa drummers talking about about uh, their time with Zappa, they'll always say, he showed us this thing. It's called the black page because of how much ink there was on the manuscript. It's about playing the drums. And the idea then you then, at some time, you know, he was working out the melody on a piano and he came up with this kind of martial music kind of thing, sort of fanfare kind of music to go with it. With, with sometimes the notes following the drums, sometimes they're not. That's, um, it's very interesting, but to elevate it to one of the best uh, of ten, tr ten tracks of uh, 117, 118 albums, some of which have six or eight CDs in them, is um, journalistic posturing of a most interesting kind, because it's, it's triggered me into saying all this to you, and all this that I've been saying to you has been very interesting, and you have received it with great interest.
Okay, this is number two on the list. Um, I can I can tell that this guy is is just trying to say very interesting things and doesn't want to choose maybe a more obvious ten ten tracks. Yeah. So uh, what to make of it? Um, it's pr it's provocative to say it's one of ten of Zappa's top ten tracks, essential tracks. Whatever he said it was that you, impossible to live without. Sorry, it's it's sort of interesting nonsense. It's uh, the, the, his sort of smut smut rock band, uh, Flo and Eddie, and it's about road ladies shagging groupies on you know while touring. Uh, it's actually it's a very nice piece of music, uh, and and it's sort of got this sort of exuberant vocal and, and everything. But Sorry, if you're going to have 10 essential tracks from, from 120 Zappa albums, many of which are multi-CD box sets, um, I don't know that anything from this band and this band's repertoire gets into the top 10. God knows. But certainly not this track. I mean, this is not, <clears throat> this is not even in the top three tracks on the album that it's taken from. Yeah, there's stuff on, on Chunga's Revenge that is a little bit interesting, but it, even that, Chunga's Revenge is probably midway down the table, at best, uh, uh, in Zappa's you know, list of life, lifetime releases. Uh, it, it's a, just a bits and pieces album that's a great disappointment, really, to be quite honest, after Hot Rats, the brilliant Hot Rats. And, the, and they're also different, but brilliant. Weasels Rip My Flesh, and... Um, Burnt Weenie Sandwich. No, Burnt Weenie Sandwich. My goodness. Uh, weasels with my fish. My goodness. Hot rats. Oh my god. This is this is going to start a whole new, new genre of music, just like like Miles Davis was at that time. And then Chunga's Revenge. And then you just choose some one of one of the little smutty little blues tracks. That it doesn't even have a Zappa melody or Zappa syncopation or Zappa drum track or Zappa wit in it. Sorry, more virtue signalling. But what's the point of doing a top ten anyway, unless you're going to provoke people like me into saying very interesting things to someone like you?
Okay, so this is number three on the list, Alien Orifice. Okay, this is, um, this is more like it. Now, it's, it's a bit of a sort of a surprise to me because uh, it probably would have taken too much of an exhaustive uh, contemplation and search and sort of looking at the names of albums and looking at the track listings for me to have come up with this. But I like this. I, I'm provoked... I'm provoked in a very good way about this. I haven't read what you said about it, by the way. I'm going to read the article <coughs> after I've done all ten like this for you. You have just brought on. You just brought on the the zapper onslaught from me by provoking me with this. I'm just going on the titles of the tracks he's chosen. I will read the article later. Uh, Alien Orifice is part of the AT Zapper, and AT Zapper is really quite different. It's sandwiched between 70s jazz rock and avant-garde sort of stuff in the 70s, which he was still playing in the 80s with his bands. And then he disappeared into this thing, which a bit regrettable, really, but it has its moments into this whole sing clavier thing where he could literally create music that musicians could not possibly play. Uh, but in the in the meantime, in the, in the 80s, and start, starting at the very beginning of the 80s, Alien Orifice, Sinister Footwear, uh, Massaggio Galore, uh, Alien Orifice, I've said Alien Orifice, haven't I? Uh, what else? Uh, uh, Marcuson's Chicken, um, uh, ship arriving too late to save a drowning witch envelopes although that's actually from the 70s envelopes but there, there's a kind of a muscular sort of complex sort of prog rock kind of thing i, I think i did a, a compilation called um you know best of the bad years uh and of course it's it's really good alien orifice is is, is a beautiful track and there's like a two-hour musical dissection of it somewhere on youtube that i started watching very interesting uh, but it, but it, you know, it isn't jazz rock exactly. Although there is a guitar solo, isn't there? Uh, it, so that's a very interesting choice. Plus the fact, number three, you already got something by the 1988 band. Brilliant, um, underrated, uh, or not, as the case may be. I, I just think that horn section and the sort of the uh, catalogue mining, rummaging, uh, rearrangements. Um, I think it definitely was. Zappa knew it was his last hurrah. And so it was kind of like Zappa... Uh, what's the word? A sort of a Zappa... Not burlesque. He, he was up there on the stage with a massive band playing right from all parts of his catalogue. And, he, you know, it was like Swan Song or something. And it's good that Alien Orifice was part of it. It's on the second of the two double CD releases. The one that's called... Make a Jazz Noise Here, which is much more towards jazz and prog rock. And uh, prog rock. Uh, I, 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 I seldom use that word with uh, Zappa, but of course it is, it is progressive. Yeah? It is fusion very often, it is progressive. But it's got some sort of classical, and another bad word, it's got some classical, you know, neoclassical trappings as well. All, all bad words. It's like a lot of words don't, don't want to be attached to Zappa. Uh, and yet, it's it's there or thereabouts, isn't it? Uh, so, good choice at number three.
Another very interesting choice, Rolo uh, from One Shot Deal. One Shot Deal is one of the several very interesting bits and pieces albums that Joe Travers, the vault master, released with the blessing of the, the family Zappa Trump, uh, the, the Zappa Family Trust. Um, it's ah, Rolo is this sort of amazing. Totally Zappa music, and it's kind of like part of the of the uh, "Don't Eat the Yellow Snow" kind of the, that, that whole suite of music. You know, Apostrophe is a great little album. It's just, I mean, it's it's just good, good musical detail. It's like humorous music, but very difficult to play. And you know, Stinkfoot and Uncle Remus, but also that whole suite, Alfonso Saint Alfonso's Breakfast. Now, Newt rubs it. Roller was part of that. Oh, sorry. So what I wanted to say about that is that to hear his bands playing it in 73, 74, um, live, is, is sort of, it, it's totally exciting and it's brilliant. And in part of that, although it wasn't, I don't think it was on the album, or if it was, it was just like a little bit of, just, just hinted at somewhere in the sequence. Which fascinates Henry, my son, by the way. He, he just listens to that and just thinks, wow, you know. And I once showed him a YouTube clip of somebody playing the drums, you know, like a, just a demonstration, a drummer playing the drums for um, Nanook Rubs It or, or, or San Alfonso's Pancake Breakfast. And it's just amazing. It, it's, it's it. <laughs> you know, Ralph Humphrey, bloody hell. Uh, when I was a kid, I'd listen to that and just think, this is this is funny, this is brilliant. When I got when I was a student, I remember listening to things like that, and Shaky Booty, and just it really hitting me. You know, you can't make this music without a drummer that can drum like that because what the drummer's doing is is, is emphasizing, bolding, italicizing, uh, punctuating everything, everything. Yeah, and now now we've got two bars in in three four time. And then at one bar in 9-7, not that I could really recognise that exactly, but I could hear, when you start listening to it carefully, you think, shit, you know, this is hard to play. And if you don't have that one bar in 
after the two tango bars before a little jamming in 5-4, then it doesn't sound right. Then, then you're not playing the song. Ah. So anyway, Rolo is a, a really exuberant piece of music that has been separated out on at least three occasions now. I think it's in the Orchestral Favourites box set. It's in uh, the one-shot deal thing that came out about 14 years ago. It's also to be found on a, an album that was actually, I think, mixed in quadraphonic sound called Quadrophenia. No, not Quadrophenia. Quadro something. Quadroplegia. Whatever. Uh, and, of course, it's on some live tapes, and, uh, you know, you can hear it in some... Uh, 1973-type, Rockshin Elsewhere-type, that band, you know, George Duke, Ralph Humphrey, Chester Thompson, that kind of thing. Uh, with, obviously, Ruth Underwood on, on, on percussion. So, a good choice. Uh, a good choice. A very good choice, because cause you, wouldn't, you wouldn't think of it very, very readily, but it does point towards a whole... It, it sums up a whole aspect of Zappa's oeuvre. So, I, I quite like this one. Number four, is it? Everybody be seated, please. Thank you well, very much. <clears throat> the sermon today uh -huh. is the meek shall inherit nothing. Some take the Bible for what it's worth when it says that the meek shall inherit the earth. Well, I heard that some sheep has bought New Jersey last week. And you suckers ain't getting nothing. Is Harry Rama really wrong when you wander around with a napkin on, with a bell on a stick, and your hair is all gone? The geek shall inherit nothing. So you say your life's a bum deal, and you're up against the wall. Well, you ain't really got no deal at all. Because what they do in Washington, they just take care of number one. And number one ain't you. You ain't even number two. You ain't even number two. Jesus freaks, well they're friendly, but the shit they believe has got their minds all shut up, and they don't even care if the church take a cut, ain't it bleak when you got so much nothing, so what do you do? Eat that pork, eat that ham, laugh till you choke on Billy Graham, Moses, Aaron, and Abraham, they're all always the time, and it's your ass that's on the line. Oh, do what you wanna, do what you will. Just don't mess up your neighbor's thrill. When you pay the bill, kindly leave a little tip and help the next poor sucker on his one-way trip. Some take the Bible. Some take the Bible, some, some take, take the Bible. Bible. More 
Interesting. In fact, fascinating provocation from the writer of this uh, LondonJazzNews.com list of 10 essential Zappa tracks. Why is it provocative? Well, why would you, why would you have to, to include a cover version of any of Zappa's work in order to establish what essential Zappa was? Now, let me, let me be clear. The persuasions are kind of a doo-wop a cappella kind of kind of group with maybe uh, I don't know six four men or something. <laughs> they are absolutely brilliant. A lot of stuff that they've done. I actually started collecting a few of their albums after I uh, I heard their Grateful Dead ones. Love it, and I love his Zappa ones. And they actually played with Zappa uh, as a support band uh, in 1971, I believe, 1970 or 71, on one of his tours. The meek shall inherit nothing. But anyway, as as lovely as it is to hear it done that way, and 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 also those kind of covers bring out the the songwriting and the melodic quality of things that sometimes might even be a little bit obscured by Zappa's own arrangements. Uh, and that's there's certainly some truth to that. But still, uh, to put a cover version of anything on a list of ten essential Zappa tracks is a uh, interesting virtue, uh, Zappaholic virtue signalling, as I said before. Uh, the song itself, The Meek Shall Inherit Nothing, uh, there's plenty of versions of it played live that have been released, or at least there might, might be two or three. Uh, but it was originally on an album called You Are What You Is, which is a scathing... I mean, in many ways, I sometimes forget that album. It, it's brilliant. I mean, there's all the salacious things in the 70s, then there was the political sort of agit-prop kind of stuff in the in the 60s. Um, but You Are What You Is, well, it's still quite salacious. And the, the, the label misogynistic can certainly be, can be attached to it. But it's starting to talk about TV evangelists and about celebrity culture and about American values in general. And uh, if ever you, you're tired of listening to, uh, you know, jazz fusion from the 70s you know or you know uh, prog proggy kind of rock there from from the late 70s uh if you listen to um you are what you is it's absolutely brilliant um instrumentally arrangements uh lyrics the vocals are just unbelievable no wonder the uh the persuasions wanted to cover do a cover version of it um but funnily enough despite all that and there's some very controversial things on it, but it's it's well worth it. It doesn't, unfortunately, doesn't have a kind of be your mama at the end like Shake Your Booty does. Uh, but uh, there is a track on there called uh, something like um, something about the third the third movement of Sinister Footwear, which is actually my favourite. It's a guitar solo, completely completely misfit, obtrusive, odd man out track on the album. <laughs> Typical Zappa, uh, but. Uh, if I were going to take Zappa's version of this, would it be one of my top ten essential tracks? No. If I was going to try to have one really offensive or really provocative, real sort of cocking the snook at the world track by Zappa, it would probably be something else. Maybe something else off this album. I don't know. Although it it is pretty funny. It is pretty funny. And I have quoted the lyrics of it to people on... Uh, spirituality forums in the past because it, it, it's, it's some pretty mean things about uh, Hare Krishna's as well and just the general way that the world works.
uh, anyway, so uh, interesting thing for me to put on there, but it's a cover version. Nah, and even if it wasn't, it wouldn't be one of my top ten. My top ten will follow later.
Now, I don't know whether this is another little bit of virtue signaling, but to choose something from the Zappa's LSO Symphony Orchestra albums, there were two of them in the middle of the 80s there somewhere, is interesting. Um, will he, this is number six, will he or she choose something from Thingfish just to, uh, you know, put his thumb or her whoops, her thumb on the end of her nose and wag her fingers at those of us 
that think thinking fish is bad. We'll, we will wait and see. I doubt it somehow. Now, LSO Symphony, uh, what is it? London Symphony Orchestra, isn't isn't really bad, but it it has its problems, which Zappa talked about. He only released the album because he'd spent so much money having it made. He had to make thousands of edits to try to improve the performance of the orchestra. It reminds me of a conversation in the chat group the other day between people I know, uh, one side of it saying that George Eliot's Middlemarch was turgid, boring uh, text, and somebody else saying that it's one of the great, brilliant, uh, complicated, inspiring pieces of literature in the British in the English language canon. Well, so with Zappa's LSO, London Symphony Orchestra albums, the performance was really bad and really low energy, and there were, there was, you know, brass section had gone off for a drink at lunchtime and came back and couldn't read the really difficult music. Now, I occasionally take these albums out and I listen to them, and I do quite enjoy them. But I prefer orchestral favourites, 1978, I prefer the orchestral favourites 40-year anniversary, whatever, 78 plus 40 is. And I also uh, like the music on Perfect Stranger in the 80s with uh, Pierre Boulet, a mixture of uh, Synclavia tracks and and the uh, Ensemble Contemporaneo, whatever Boulet's crew were called. And also then there was the, just before he died, or just after he died, was the Yellow Shark, which which is a brilliant, beautiful uh, record of Zappa's so-called classical music. So uh, it's interesting to put to choose Pedro's Dowry from the London Symphony Orchestra albums. Yes, this piece of music could well be used to represent uh, an essential side of Zappa's work. I would have chosen the one from uh, from orchestral favourites. Um, not everybody's cup of tea, and um, and you know the strictly genteel has got kind of popular, kind of a popular classical music thing about it. Uh, navigation is 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 there art in is naval architecture art? or whatever it was, is too short, really, to be essential zapper, and it's more like film score music. So I think Pedro's Dowry is not a bad choice, um, and it's probably slightly more accessible than some of the other tra- tracks. Bob Bob in Dacron, oh, I, I can't remember the names of them. Mo and Herb's Vacation. Uh, and there's Strictly Genteel's on there, too on the LSO albums. But I think Petro's Dowry is not a bad, bad, bad choice, but I think the author of this list of ten has chosen the, the London Symphony Orchestra performance for some some slight posturing reason.
As I say, I'm not looking ahead to see what 8, 9, and 10 are yet. I want to just respond to them one by one at face value, in good faith. If I'd looked ahead to this one, number 7, I would have seen that it was another one of Zappa's canon from the 80s, along with Pedro's Dowry. Oh, Pedro's Dowry is actually from the 70s, but uh, wait a minute, it's from 76, isn't it? But anyway... Uh, I would have quest- I would then want been wanting to question on the last one. Why would you have uh, two uh, tracks that are so close together in in the catalogue as these two? But Moe's vocation, I think it's Mo and Herb's vocation, actually, isn't it? Uh, it's another interesting track. 
And it, this is obviously from, if it's an unreleased studio version, then it means that it's from that orchestral favorites box set, which had about four or six CDs in it. And um, it's certainly interesting. And I can't quite remember. It seems to have been mistitled. I'm pretty sure it's Moe and Herb's Vacation, not just Moe's Vacation, which means it might be a slightly different version of it. And it also might just possibly be Zappa in rehearsal. I'd have to go and check. Now, I didn't think it was right for me to go and check before I left this voice note because, you know, I'm just trying to res respond spontaneously. I don't want to research any of my answers. So I'm thinking that maybe it's one of the rehearsals that's on one of the bonus discs of that, that 40th anniversary box set, which gives you a chance to actually listen to Zappa at work with his small orchestra, which would have been, although it says 1982 here, why does it say 1982? That's interesting. I wonder if that's correct. But why does it say 1982? I'm not even sure what release this is from. I might be a mistake, you know. Anyway, yeah, another good one. And uh, another good composition, another fascinating side of, of Zappa. I will go away now and look to, to see why that says 1982. I mean, is it talking about a track? If it's in rehearsal, and it's on the LSO, the, the, the London Symphony Orchestra albums, which came later in the decade. Why is there an unreleased studio version? How did that get released? Is it on one of the discs that came out in the last 20 years that maybe I didn't pay really close attention to? 1982, that's a very curious number. Okay, uh, great sort of seemingly chaotic, confrontational, uh, rumbumptious and creepy music. Uh, that, that's, you know, 20th, 20th century avant-garde, uh, post-Stravinsky, post-Weben kind of Zappa music. Uh, if it's played by the people in the, in the 70s, for they're playing with great relish. If it's being played by uh, those, uh, uh, you know, dudes uh, that had a drink at lunchtime, and then that caused Zappa to have to make a thousand edits, then... Um, uh, I don't know, it may, may be interesting. I'll have to take a look at what this actually means. If it just says that, I would think it means um, Orchestral Favourites 1978, the box set. If it said 1985, I'd think, well, somehow, somehow we got hold of, of a rehearsal from, from the LSO albums, but not that I'm already aware of. So 1982 is a very interesting thing. Hmm, wait a minute, could it be... No. Well, this one's got me slightly stumped. Thank you. Keep it crazy, Solar. Go down his Keep it crazy, Solar. Go down his Keep it crazy, Solar. Go down his
myself Some love release Any kind of blue will do Make up another part of you Blue from the north Blue from the south Take a slobber From the side of your mouth From your mouth, from your mouth, from your mouth, from your mouth Roll it over Freeze it down Here come that crazy screaming sound ah, 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 ah. Come on, sing along Now this album, Buffalo, is actually a complete live concert from late 1980. And the band that had toured earlier in the, the year had actually had a different drummer called Dave Logerman who only lasted for about 30 concerts and then either got sacked or, or left and he became a very, a very famous session musician who played on a lot of TV themes and made loads of money living in Los Angeles. Back into the, the drummer's seat came Vinnie Colliuti, uh, possibly the best drummer that uh, Zappa ever had. And the the way that Vinnie Colliuti drums under Zappa's guitar playing and the way that Arthur Barrow plays the bass, um, it, it inspires Zappa to, to great heights of, of um, air sculpture type um, musical spontaneous compositions on his guitar. And this album is great. I mean, I just, I love this sort of era. Uh, this is the era from which Tinseltown Rebellion was drawn. And in fact, a lot of the drumming on Tinseltown Rebellion is, is indeed David Logerman on drums. Because um, Vinnie Colliuta had been with the band in 1978, 1979, and uh, is fondly remembered. This is not the track I would choose, though. There's about an hour of absolutely phenomenal exit velocity guitar playing by Frank Zappa on this album uh, and, and the, there was he was doing that night after night but there's a particular hour you can choose sort of like the second half of the, of the concert not but, but not including the encores which are sort of things like Muffin Man and Dynamo Home and whatever and um, there are there's the City of Tiny Lights there's Easy Meat there's Keep It Greasy there's uh, Pick Me I'm Clean there's a Black Napkins I think there's a Torture Never Stops uh, and the, the guitar playing is just sublime. It's all absolutely uh, 16 horsepower, you know, eight valve playing. And, and it's got that Zappa tone. And uh, me and my, uh, my friend here, who, who I got into Zappa a couple of years ago, uh, describe it as just filth. It's just filthy guitar. Uh, doesn't repeat itself. Uh, it, it, it just it, it plays like really weird discordant notes uh, against the uh, 
just against the the the, the, the bass notes and, and the keyboard notes that that create a kind of a tension, but not in the, not in the conventional way. Kind of creates like a cacophony, and then it just comes soaring out of it with with brilliant weird phrasing on the guitar. But having said all that, keep it keep it greasy is not the one I would have chosen. I would have chosen probably uh, "Pick Me, I'm Clean," which, if you stop and think about what that song is about, uh, then maybe maybe there's a song that's quite offensive. Um, talking about uh, groupies again and people in the naming people in the band and who they're with and what the, what the prospective groupies are saying uh, so you know, there you go why wasn't that on have i offended someone when that came out in the 90s uh, i would probably choose i would probably choose pick me unclean because it's it sort of it creates just a plateau but rather than a driving sort of beat like keep it keep it greasy or or uh, City of Tiny Lights, it just creates a kind of a plateau on which Zappa can just spontane. Uh, failing that, possibly would choose The Torch Never Stops, which uh, may not be the best ever Zappa song, although it's kind of funny, especially on the suit of lures if you listen to it. Um, but it was always a vehicle for, for great, big, monstrous, filthy guitar sort of squeals and squawks and sort of swoops. So, um, yeah, I like this. Not the track I would have chosen, but I probably would have tried to choose something off this album, which came out about 15 years ago. Raw, unbridled passion.
gentlemen, as you might have noticed, Bruce Fowler has just attempted to complete a genuine bebop-inspired tango trombone solo. But Bruce, aside from being a fantastic person who blows on an instrument that goes in and out, has also worked up a dance that goes with this tango. Bring the band on down behind me, boys. Feet on fire. Good God, ain't it funky now, okay? Now, Bruce is uh, limbering up the important muscles of the body that will be required for this part of our tango. His lovely assistant, Napoleon, <coughs> will, uh, will work with him in the first part of this dance. Now, to accompany what they are going to do with their feet, George is going to take the melody of the tango, paraphrase it, play it, and sing it at the same time. Okay, are you ready? Give it a whirl. Jazz. Stand by the strobe lights. This is Even if you think it doesn't sound like that. Bebop! It sort of sounds like Bebop. Now wait a minute, give them another chance. Give them one more chance, George. You don't want to throw them off. Give them another chance, George. One more time. Get in. This is Even though you think it doesn't sound like that. It's sounding a little bit more like bebop every. Look. Look, come here, guys. Bruce, Napoleon, come over here. Seriously, now. I mean, you know about jazz. You know how when it's really good, you know you have to play with your back to the audience and everything. Okay. All right. Really deep and sensitive, you know, and with a lot of notes that are not in the key. Okay. Or even in the room. Okay. The next step is we're going to attempt to have Hey, right over here, into the area formerly occupied by Bruce and Napoleon. All right, now be very careful of these wires. Napoleon, I think it would be best if you moved all of your delicate equipment, just because you just don't know what sort of unbelievable energy will be released once we get into this part of the song. Really, it's almost too sick to imagine. Okay, here's the idea. There, there is a beat going on like this. This is a regular pedestrian sort of a beat, you know, something good. All right. The challenge of this event, and this goes for Joni Mitchell too, is the fact that, oh my God. Wait till they have that on television. The challenge of this event is for our lovely contestants to move their body not to the beat that's going like this, but to link their minds with the mind of George Duke. Link the, 
link the important muscles of their very own bodies with the muscles of George's fingers as he makes them go up and down the keyboard, connecting his vocal cords to his finger muscles, That's right, huh? which are connected by a mysterious cosmic link to your mind and your body, and you will dance to whatever George sings. Do you think you can do it? Give him a test, George. Okay, you're a little slow, Carl. A little slow, Carl. Brenda, you're not even in the running. Okay. Do it again. I'll show you. What? Make me dance, George. Okay, now look. You've got to link up with link up with Big George. Okay, you know what I'm talking about, don't you, Brenda? Of course you do. Good guy. All right. Make them dance, George. It's entirely too adagio. It has to be more frenetic, you know, more, you know, like. Much better. Can we have a couple of people from the audience to come up here and match wits with our. Um, a young gentleman has presented himself for this scientific experiment. Do we have a succulent young lady who will accompany him? Oh, come on. What's your name? Pretty entertaining. What? What is it again? Uh, my name's Todd. Tom? Okay. Todd. Todd. Okay. All right, now wait just a moment. We have to... Hey, there is a customer right there. It's almost too much for the human mind to bear. Quaaludes, ladies and gentlemen. What's your name? Lana. Lana. All right, now we'll have to set this up just like it was in grammar school on the playground yard. Um, you two guys work that area. You two guys, uh, Lana, take the outside facing Carl. Face Carl. Okay, like, so it's like here, here, okay. Okay, you ready? ready? Give it to him, George, and no mercy. <laughs> Carl, you keep grabbing her, Carl. No, faster, faster. <laughs> Whip it, 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 whip it
Now, you're sitting there and you're saying to yourselves, I could do that. And of course you can. And now's your chance to join in our uh, Hollywood bebop experiment. All you have to do is stand up. Don't be shy. Just stand up. That's it. Just stand up. You are standing up, up, up. Each and every one of you is standing up. He is standing up. I know he is. Okay. All right. Now, I won't press the issue. Some of you are too reserved for this. And may the Lord have mercy on you. But the ones who are standing up, when George plays his hot licks, twitch it and have a good time. You ready? Thank you very much for uh, participating in that. It's good for you, really. I think I'm gonna play Green Onion.
Thank you very much for coming to the concert tonight. Bruce Fowler on trombone, Napoleon Murphy Brock on tenor sax, Ruth Underwood on percussion, Ralph Humphrey on drums, Chester Thompson on drums, Tom Fowler on bass, George Zuma on keyboards, Marty Perellis on smoke machine. Okay, number nine, and we're almost there. Uh, can't argue with this one. Um, the bebop tango is the final sort of 15 minutes or whatever, 12 minutes of Rockin' Elsewhere, which has long been my favorite separate album, although I don't know if my house was on fire and only had a chance to just grab one CD. I, I'm not entirely sure that it would be Rockin' Elsewhere, having it having served its purpose by being the favorite for decades. Um, Rocky Elsewhere was the first uh, Zappa album that I heard that I hadn't heard already when I arrived at college. So I already knew Shaky Booty and Joe's Garage and uh, you know things like uh, Live in New York and uh, Sleep Dirt, Studio Tan, Orchestral Favorites, and then you know the albums of the like Inc you know one, what's the Inca Roads, One Side, Spitzort and so on. But I hadn't heard Rocky Elsewhere. And it, I heard that then when I was, you know, 18 or 19 years old. And it, it, it's just brilliant, funny, cartoonish, uh, serious chops, um, jazz rock, uh, with, with a real idiosyncratic Zappa thing going on. Now, the, the bebop tango is, is not exactly beautiful, but it's absolutely sort of breathtaking and sort of hilarious. And there's, there's sort of this, you know, 40 years ago, listening to it, listen to him talking and in, giving instructions to members of the audience. He dragged up on stage and was trying to make them dance to this impossible music. I mean, that there was just a musical joke just there. Just try to follow the little the little triplets, the, the nine triplets over, over the seven beat bar. Just just dance to that. Don't 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 worry about the bass. Just dance to that. <laughs> it's really quite funny now. So the Roxy performances in, in um, uh, when would it have been sort of late uh, December, I think December uh, 1973. I don't know why it's saying 74. I think it's got that wrong. I think that's the, the Roxy performances. The Roxy performances only came out a couple of years ago, and it's like six whole shows. So I think the writer's got that wrong. Roxy and Elsewhere was mostly recorded in 1973. The Roxy performances, if you want, want of a better word, are three nights in a row, plus a sound check, in December 73. And if you're going to put a date to it, you either put 73, or you have to put like 2014 or 2016, when it, the whole lot actually came out. Now, the good thing about Bebop Tango, which does have some empirical relationship to the 3-4 beat, <laughs> in some sort of zapper way, 
and it, it involves the, the trombonist just having to play the most difficult music in his whole life. Still, 50 years later, he's talking about how difficult it was to play it. Um, Bruce Fowler, uh, who was a real stalwart of Zappa's uh, stable uh, back in those days. Uh, what came out then uh, a few years ago in what's called the Roxy Performances was the full unedited version and no overdubs of the Bebop Tango, which was played, uh, was well, one of the things played at every other gig that he played for, for months and months. It was something, it was a thing that his band really, really did. It was part of their repertoire. And to hear a kind of the raw version of it without any overdubs, uh, without anything cut out, uh, is it's sublime. And it's a sublime box. Uh, maybe I mean, great guitar playing throughout, but maybe not the best guitar playing of, of his year of his life, which was seventy eight to eighty two probably. Uh, but uh, yeah, this is not not a bad choice at all. Whether I'd choose exactly this, I don't know. But this certainly is essential Zappa by all means.
Okay, this is the tenth and final track out of the London Jazz Newscom uh, list of essentials. Apple, you can't, you have to, you can't die without hearing them, or uh, you mustn't die before you've heard them. I'm not, not sure what it is, but and this is the only one on the list that, for sure, I would have picked. Uh, it's from the Yellow Shark, which I mentioned earlier. Yellow Shark was released either the, the month that he died or very shortly afterwards. I believe it, it's not a posthumous release. I believe it's, it was in his lifetime, but only by a matter of days. Uh, it's a German orchestra, independent orchestra, highly talented, cutting edge. I mean, I've heard lots of other stuff by them. They call the, the Ensemble Moderne, I think. Is that right? Uh, absolutely brilliant. And this is what, a piece that was, was commissioned for a documentary about the Eldon, Eldon, Eldon Val, Valdez. Uh, some ship sank. And then um, the company tried, tried to sort of shirk its responsibilities. All the oil killed, you know, hundreds of thousands of birds and seals, whatever. It's a beautiful piece of music. It's more beautiful and more conventional than most of Zappa's classic, neoclassical catalogue. But it's a standout track on this wonderful album, just just a brilliant album. Although a lot of people that want to hear your mama and, um, you know, obviously Dynamo Home, but, you know, Black Napkins and uh, Waterman and Easter Hay are not necessarily going to go for his classical stuff. Uh, but I just love this album, um, played by real talent, really into the uh, the music that they were they were attempting to play. I think he was very happy with their efforts. I think that they bonded with him through all the rehearsals for this, and uh, they they've done their own re- posthumous release of other Zappa tracks, which is well worth listening to. I think it's called Gregory Peckery or something. Um, so yeah, this this classical this sort of classical stuff that album. Was was just, it's so good, but I mean, the fact that it was released by the same composer as who released, uh, you know, Roxy Elsewhere, uh, or uh, you know, Shaky Booty, is just a testament to the man, the composer, the musician, the guitarist. He doesn't play any any instruments on this one. He conducts one or two of the tracks, and there are some funny tracks with with spoken word. Which may not may not stand the test of time, quite as much as I mean he was just he was just being perverse. He was getting a bit like Ricky Gervais trying to get ordinary nice people to say horrible things, or even not even nice people, but just saying horrible things so that he could laugh at it in rehearsal. And he made these these musicians say some really weird things about penis piercings and tattooed cocks and things, and um, actually they ended up really loving having to do it. And they did it in front of huge audiences to rapturous applause. And The Yellow Shark and tracks like Outrage at Valdez. But not only that, other tracks too. A few from his old canon and a few special compositions made expressly for this this outing of, of his work. Uh, it's just brilliant. And uh, I, this would have been on my list of ten. What an interesting exercise this has been. Now I'm going to go back and I'm going to read the ten little screeds under each of these ten tracks and see what the writer of the uh, the blog comment has to say. <laughs> <laughs> 